0: Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingBrew.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at DGasper24. Matt is at MKEMat13. Um, We got a lot to talk about. There's been a lot that's happening here in the world of the Milwaukee Brewers, um, as we talk here all the time on the Cold Brew Podcast with some cold brews ourselves. Matt, uh, what do you got
1: today? We've got yep. the great city of Green Bay, Hinterland uh, IPA. Nice. Taste oh, going with the IPA today. Yep. Well, it was, uh, it was like that, whatever you call them, variety pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, don't know. I haven't been much of an IPA guy, like, in recent years. Like, I I went through my phase, I'll admit it, as a IPA beer snob or whatever. And I'm just, for the most part, like, I don't seek them out. I'm kind of over them. But you know mm-hmm. what? If it's a good brand and it comes in a variety pack, I'll still have them. I, I don't dislike them.
0: Just, just I've got good. my Miller Lite as I always do, but man, I'm feeling like I need something stronger. I've I've had a hell of a day over here, and let's just let's just kind of recap this. So like we're recording this here on on Thursday night, um, and so you know I come home from work and I'm just kind of you know. Making dinner and then, you know, eating dinner, you know, it's kind of getting ready, then we're doing the podcast here afterwards. So I'm just sitting there at the dinner table, you know, eating my my pasta, my noodles, because, you know, I'm a twenty-five-year-old dude who, you know, lives by himself, so I make pasta. I mean, that's that's the only real thing I know how to make. So so I'm sitting there, you know, just eating my eating my uh rotini noodles and you know, just picking up, you know, a glass, you know, to drink from and my coaster. Is stuck to my glass. Oh no! And then by the time I realize and try to stop and like put it back, the coaster falls right into the pasta. And oh, as what? I'm as I'm dealing with that, if yeah, it falls right into my plate. So as I'm oh. dealing with that, my phone buzzes. It's Like oh great, now what I got with my phone buzzing? Oh Omar Narvaez is on the COVID IL. <laughs> and the brewers have called up Alex Hall. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And this is in the span of like, like this is like instantly like coaster falls and then phone buzz like immediately, like like a second or two later. And I'm just like, I I, I can't handle this right now. I, I need a break. I need something stiff to drink. Like this is. Like, like, this is just how my day is going. That's just how it's been all day. There have been people driving slow on the roads, on the freeways. For the love of God, people, freeways, you're, the on-ramps are meant for you to get up to speed by the time we get to the freeway, okay? Not to enter at 50 miles an hour, okay? Like, just PSA for everyone, get up to speed of the highway, and don't just coast at 4550 on the on-ramp. Okay, that's my rant. I I just I had to say it.
1: Well, and I'm sure that all happened on the Beltline, right? David's in uh, Madison. Yeah. Well, so I'm guessing uh, for any Madison listeners, you know the Beltline can be a nightmare. People don't
0: for- know how to drive around here. Like people are maniacs. Yeah. Like it's it's literally insane. And then uh, earlier when I was when I was coming back from the gym. There were, I saw like seven cop cars in the span of like two minutes. Like there was one by this roundabout, then there's another one like waiting at that next red light going in, turning a different direction. And I head down there a little bit further. There's one just kind of like sitting there in a parking lot, I think, just kind of checking for speeders. I was going like eight over, but he didn't pull me over, which is great. But then I get to the you know, the next intersection. Then there's like two or three more just kind of like parked off on the side. I'm like, there's not much room here. It seemed like they had someone pulled over in a Mustang, but the car was empty. It looked almost like a cop car as well. And they're just kind of sitting there with their lights on. And I'm just like, what is happening today? Like, it is, I, I don't know what's going on. It is strange. I don't know. What's, I don't know what's going on with people, but it is. It has
1: just been a weird day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, Madison. I I remember when I lived there. Yes. Uh, the driving, especially on the belt line, not a fun time. Here in Milwaukee, I mean. Everyone this wasn't
0: even the belt drive. line. This was just on regular roads. Yeah. True. Which but,
1: were next to the belt line, but still. Right. Right. fact, here in Milwaukee, just people drive around. Like, it's a freaking drag race all the time. So, you know, yeah. same state, different issue.
0: And potholes everywhere. Can't forget that. This is true. Oh, what the heck. So, anyways, back to what I was saying before, as as my coaster fell into my pasta, Omar Narvaez got placed on the COVID IL right before uh, Thursday's game here. And, obviously, this is bad news because Omar Narvaez has been hitting well, and he's a starting catcher, and you don't want to lose any of these guys to being on the COVID IL, but the guy to replace him is not Matt's favorite player, Mario Feliciano. It was not uh, the other triple a catcher, uh, Alex Jackson. It's Alex Hall from the, Wisco- from the Wisconsin timber rattlers. And Matt, I mean, this is purely because n- nothing against Alex Hall, but this is purely because he was the closest to Milwaukee and they could not they, they simply did not have enough uh, warning ahead of time to call someone from Nashville and Nashville's actually down in Durham this week. Uh, they did not have enough time to call Jackson or Feliciano from Durham, get them on a flight, get them to Miller Park in time uh, in order to make the game. So right. so Alex Hall ends up getting the call and I'm a poet and I didn't even know it.
1: <laughs> no, we know it now. Um I'm not yeah, a poet, you can by the way. Imagine like they they could have only found out about this what no more than let's say two to three hours before game time, I would guess. Yeah. More than that, maybe you can rush someone. I mean probably, probably still needs to be a little bit farther, but um yeah, so it makes sense. Yep, I know I'm still waiting for my boy Mario Feliciano to see some twenty twenty two playing time. Um, but it is—it's not to be this time. It could just be that he's here for a day, and they, you know, swap him out for one of those two guys who are closer to major league ready. So maybe already by tomorrow, we'll see either Jackson or Feliciano. Don't quite know. Um, But instead, we get Alex Hall. Who? Let's uh, run through some real quick numbers here um, because this all just happened, and we haven't really gotten a chance to write or tweet or anything about it. Uh,
0: no, I've been—I've been I've busy been doing. Deal- Busy dealing with the mess from my you coaster falling on my pasta. Coasters, people. Sorry.
1: We're, we're trying to get you the news, but there is coaster stuff happening.
0: There's pasta <laughs> sauce all over my shirt. Luckily, I'm wearing a red shirt today, so you don't really even notice.
1: Oh, there you go. See, there's some silver linings. See,
0: yeah, you never have pasta wearing a white shirt. That's a, another another PSA here for all, for all the listeners.
1: Yeah, you guys are all getting some common sense tips tonight. Um, Alex talk. Has played in six whole games this year. Um, He's batting 300. That's nice. Um, OPS is 698, so not slugging too terribly much. He has a double. That's his only uh, extra base hit. Um, Two walks, five strikeouts. So he just hasn't played a whole ton. Um, I know uh, the other catcher for Wisconsin, Darian Miller. Um, he actually had a, I remember writing about him in my, uh, April minor league recap. He looked pretty decent in April. He has since simmered down a little bit. Um, so he doesn't, he's not, he's, I think it, we looked it up beforehand. he was hitting about 240, but he has played more games than Alex Hall. Um, assuming they want to kind of keep him there for his development, since it's just a one game absence, you know, keep the guy who's your main catcher for the team, And if you're just sparing a guy for one game, that's why Alex Hall can kind of, you know, be available for that situation. So that's who we're looking at. Um, Alex Hall out of Australia, um, by the way. Australia. Crikey. Crikey, indeed. Um, He (laughs) is, to do some very quick math here, uh, 23, about to turn 23 years old, I believe. Um, Alex Hall. Switch hitting catcher. Ooh. 20. Yep. Oh, that, of course there it was. 22. Yep. Um, switch hitting catcher joins Caratini as another switch hitting catcher, batting 300 in six games for the Timber Rattlers. There is your Alex Hall history lesson for 2022.
0: Let's go. All right. Let's hope he actually doesn't have to get into the game <laughs> here, and let's hope Caratini is just fine uh, yes. to carry on. Exactly. Otherwise, we're gonna have to call uh, for Jacob Nottingham once again, uh, see if we can get him over here quickly.
1: I think he actually. Well, no, he's playing in the minors right now. That's right.
0: He's he's in Baltimore. Yeah. I think Baltimore system. Now they got Adley Rutschman up, so he's pretty much out of the job.
1: Yep. Uh, My fantasy team very much enjoys that.
0: Yep. Same. So does mine. Ugh, oh, man, and Omar Narvaez, I mean, he'd been hitting so well, man. Like, I, uh, losing him, like, uh, at the stretch he's been on, I mean, Caratini's been hitting the ball well. He had a couple of home runs in the last few days, um, mm-hmm. especially being there at Wrigley, uh, back at his old stomping grounds. But, uh, yeah, it's th- that's tough to lose Omar. I mean, like, not even just, you know, not being able to replace him with a Feliciano or, or a Jackson, but... Uh, just losing Omar for that lineup. I mean, that's that's t- I mean, it could be a day. It could be two days, or it could be a week or two, like it was with McCutcheon. I mean, we don't know yet.
1: Mm. yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think I want to say Adam Calvi was the one who tweeted out. It was either him or will salmon um that he tied for the lead amongst position players in uh, Fan war for the month of May. He was at a point eight for the month. Um so yeah. clearly he was um it wasn't just a recent thing. he, was actually very solid for the entire month. Um, so someone that the Brewers, you know, were able to rely upon in some situations um, as, you know, they were facing, especially towards the end of the month, some tough teams, um, you know, having that bat in the lineup helped. So um, luckily, like you said, you know, Caratini is looking a little decent lately, um, maybe help that he was back in his um, old friendly confines of Wrigley Field and, you know, working the basket a little bit on a couple of those dingers um, and he should be able to step in decently. Uh, he, he's more acclimated to the staff than he was earlier in the season. Um, and solid defensively himself. In fact, I believe you have tweeted about the Caratini cannon on more yes. than one occasion. Um, so it's not like we're, there's a severe drop off. But um, offensively, Narvaez was doing some good things. So it, it's a bummer to miss him for um as long as he'll end up being out. You know, I'm. You know, we're recording this kind of as the game is uh,
0: going on here, and they're showing the the starting lineup in the batting order. The top batting average for the Brewers is 247, mm-hmm. and that belongs to uh, Rowdy Teles. That is, um, let's see what what's what are the words I'm looking for here? Uh, not good. No, no, no,
1: no, not so much. Um, yeah, I looked it up actually before the game. The Brewers are now 18th in MLB in batting average. I mean. Better than last year when they were generally in that, like, 25 range for most of the season, it, uh, it seemed like. So, at least closer to average. They were up in the top 10 for a hot second before they kind of started dipping again. But, uh, um, no, not not so hot. Uh, Urias is back in the lineup. He's hitting 245. Um, so, he is right below Telez, who is that leader at 247 right now. Um, yeah, it, it, if Narvaez were here... He'd probably be the actual leader if he were in the lineup in batting average um, because he was he was up over 250.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough to, you know, be super successful hitting, you know, that low overall as a team. But uh, they'll they'll be trying to get there. They're in a little bit of a funk. I mean, also, you're in the you're towards the tail end of a stretch of 18 games in 17 days here. They're just on and 11-game three-city road trip, uh, and that does take a lot out of guys. I mean, you finished there in Chicago, and, you know, I think we saw it a little bit towards the end of that Cubs series. I mean, the Brewers won the doubleheader. Uh, they, they swept both games, and it was great, and it was fun, uh, and it's it's always great to beat the Cubs, you know, especially on, on Memorial Day there and, you know, a big celebration, all, all the Cubs fans there. It's, it's great to win. Uh, then the next two games, you know, kind of a little bit of stinkers. Like, they were right there. Uh, but just kind of weren't able to close it out and, and get the wins and, and just get enough necessary to do it. Uh, I think that might've been a little bit more of just kind of coming to the end of a very long road trip. Uh, guys getting a little bit tired. I mean, you saw a lot of defensive mistakes mm-hmm. uh, that you really don't see. I mean, bad throws from, from the catcher spot to first base or third base uh, outfielders, not really knowing what to do, making you know bad plays there and, and infielders, you know, having struggles. So, you know, defensively, it was really a tough series, and I think for a lot of guys, it was just being a little bit exhausted uh, from from the long road trip.
1: Yeah, that's, um, when you speak about the outfield, there was that one inning in the, I think it was the third game of the Cubs series, um, where the outfield was just a mess. I mean, it started with the, the Tyron Taylor fly ball that he kind of uh, ended up losing track of, Uh, the second one, I think was Christian Yelich in the corner, never quite ended up seeing the replay of, you know, why he wasn't able to get to it. I know that's the left field corner in particular is really tight, not a lot of space there. So, you know, don't know if it was matter of he was coming up in the wall or just was never able to get to it. Um, but then the third one was, um, Kane and Yelich coming converging towards a ball uh, deep into the gap and neither one of them ended up really calling it. So they kind of both make, I wouldn't even say half-hearted attempts at it because half might be uh, generous, but it ends up splitting the two of them. Um, and it was just, and it was all in the same inning. And It was just like, guys, what on earth? And, you know, maybe it was a little bit of the snowball effect. Maybe it was a little bit of, you know, we're almost at the end of this road trip. We're coming off a double header. Uh, guys are gassed. They're tired. But it was, oh, it was definitely a sign of uh, struggle bus activity happening with the Brewers. So gotta be nice to be back home. Monday, I have to imagine their first off day in forever is going to just feel amazing, especially being still at home. They um, have the series before that off day and then uh, continue Uh, here in Milwaukee afterwards. So uh, that is going to be a huge, huge relief. And then they actually, they have at least one day off every week for 10 of the next 11 weeks after this one. So lots more balance to the schedule. Knew this was going to be a rough one um, that they're getting through. And they came out of that road trip six and five. I mean, they very easily could have swept The Padres, if not for a bad Brad Boxberger inning, they end up salvaging a split against the Cardinals, who, you know, are a good team. They're right behind the Brewers in second place. And then, you know, yeah, they end up splitting with the the Cubs. Yes, they could have easily won that series after taking the first two games, but it's never going to be easy going down into Chicago and... Winning a series, like it's just not as it, even though the Cubs aren't what they used to be, they are your rivals. There's a, a bit of that psychological advantage. They're always as being on the road, even if it's against a bad team. It, it that was going to be tough, and yeah, they don't pull it out, but they still end up winning the road trip, and that's a good sign regardless. So um, now things get a little bit easier for them going forward, luckily. But I agree, they they looked they looked gassed. They looked a little discombobulated, however you want to put it, kind of towards the end of that.
0: Discombobulated is is a good word, a a very good Wisconsin word to describe uh, what was going on there. I I mean, discombobulated and recombobulated are, are really kind of some of the more Fun, uh, terms, uh, that we got. And it's, it's like a very regional thing. Like, yes, uh, like, like at the Milwaukee, uh, at, at Mitchell international airport, you got the recombobulation area. I'm like, exactly. no place else calls it the recombobulation area, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Nope. And don't try to pretend like you do other cities. Cause we're on to you.
0: Yeah. It's so nice over here. Um, all right. Anyways, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying there. The six and like six and five on the road trip, For being the second of three in three consecutive three-city road trips, you know you'll take it. It's a winning road trip. Would you have liked to have gone seven and four or eight and three? Sure, you know that would have been nice, but um, it's also early in the season. We've hit June now, finally, um, but still it's early on. um, And for road trips like that, you just kind of got to battle through and, you know, just try to go above 500 and and that's what they were able to able to do there. And they were doing this with a lot of guys coming up and making some major league debuts uh, this past week. And that's something that, you know, has kind of also been partial to the injuries. I've had injuries to uh, Adamas and Renfro um, and more recently to the pitching staff with Freddie Peralta and then now Brandon Woodruff going on the I.L., um, and the things that that does to the rotation and, uh, you know, the bullpen, uh, losing some guys, you know, losing Mejia there, um, you know, Perdomo then getting hurt. He has elbow effusion. So losing Perdomo, that left another opening. So what do the Brewers do? You know, they, they kind of make some changes around. Uh, they have uh, Ethan Small come up for game one in that doubleheader. To make his major league debut seemed like the obvious choice. And that's I said last week. That's what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. So expect the call up soon. Have him start game one of that double header. And they did. The start didn't go super well. Ran into some trouble in the third inning. But more on that in a bit. Uh, but Small comes up. He makes his debut. The Brewers also um, ended up adding uh, Peter Strezelecki mm-hmm. to the bullpen. Coming up from uh, Nashville. Uh, with, the, with the news that um, Woodruff would be going on I.L. And then before game two, the Brewers finally freed Luke Barker Woo-hoo! and selected him to the 40-man roster and brought him up to the big leagues. And, Matt, tears of joy were shed among us, and then he never got into a game.
1: No, he sure didn't. Um And and like you you would say, you had messaged me and said, Matt, he's here. It's the article you were born to write. And of (laughs) course, I was out moving or whatever that cleaning the old place, whatever the heck I was doing. Um, So, of course, I didn't get to write about it, actually. But um, yes, he finally ends up coming up. And then the very next day getting sent right the heck back down um, because the Brewers needed or maybe it was two days later. But the Brewers needed another starter. Um, so no Luke Barker. So we're still on like a half free Luke Barker watch because that guy's still got to make his major league debut, but it d- does at least show that the hard work that the guy put in on um, all these different levels, playing an in independent ball and everything like that, and trying to work his way up through the Brewers did end up paying off, um, in terms of making an actual major league roster. Um, even even if he were to never pitch an inning uh, at the big leagues this year, which I really, with everything we see with injuries and stuff, would be very surprised if that ended up being the case. Um, You know, the fact that he ended up getting to be in that dugout and put on that Brewer's jersey and have his number on the back and everything, um, you'll never be able to take that away from him. But I do still expect that he will pitch this year. Um, So I am still keeping the hashtag free Luke Barker, uh movement alive because we got to see that guy pitching a game man for the Brewers.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate that I didn't get a chance to, to come in in either of those games and, and heads right back down. But the key thing is he does have a 40 man roster spot now. So the next time an opening does pop up, it makes it that much easier to call him up to the big league roster. Now that he has that 40 man spot and being on the 40 man does result in a nice increase in pay. Uh, So that is going to be very good for the 30-year-old career. uh, Well, I would say career minor leaguer, but now he's not. Technically, has has a couple days of service, but, you know, hasn't quite gotten into a big league game. But hopefully uh, he'll be able to get there soon. He tweeted this out uh, earlier on Thursday here, um, his his appreciation post saying, the last few days have been life-changing for me and my family. I'll never forget the emotions of this week. Thank you to all who reached out and to all following along at reviewing the brew and a bunch of other people, but at reviewing the brew is, is the first at on there. And then a picture sure from is. uh from Wrigley field there. So, you know, a really nice uh, sentimental post from Luke Barker, very appreciative of the opportunity and, and being able to be up in the big leagues. But I I want to see him in a game, man. I, I, I want to see him in there. So like just one inning that that's all I'm asking for anything else. Like, you know, he's going to have to, he's going to have to earn his way for just like everyone else. But I want that one inning for him, man.
1: Yep. Yeah. And it, I was real. There was one of the games that he was in where um, either the Brewers had a, uh, a lead or were behind or something like that. It was getting late. And I'm thinking, oh, actually, I think it was that uh, third game that kind of was back and forth, back and forth, and then was tied for a while. I'm thinking, man. He's got a perfect chance here to be able to come in maybe late uh, if they decide not to go to some of their big guns until they get the lead. Maybe some Luke Barker time and no, never, never ended up
0: here. No. But
1: he'll get that shot.
0: Yeah, if they had a bigger lead, you know, if, if the offense had done enough to get a bigger lead, you know, maybe they would have felt comfortable bringing him in or lucky And we still haven't seen nope. Um And he's still in the bullpen. But, uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, Typically, when the Brewers call guys up, they have them make their debuts relatively quickly. Like they don't let them sit on it for a while. Um, Speaking of guys with their big leagues debut, Alex Hall, you know, just kind of circle back to him. They just showed him in the dugout on the broadcast, and he has a sweet mustache. My goodness, like it is thick and full and blonde, and it's just Mm. like it is very like 1970s ish mustache. So I am now an even bigger fan of Alex Hall and calling him up uh, to be the backup catcher for for Thursday here.
1: Would you say it was on the level of a J.P. FireEisen or a John Axford, though?
0: I don't think anything can be on the level of John Axford, but it was kind of in that same mold. He's going to have to do a lot better on the field and, and kind of prove himself on the field to get to John Axford level because... To reach there, it's not just the stash. It's also the domination on the field. That's true. That's true. So.
1: He, uh, he may also have to dye his hair because I feel like blonde mustaches just don't leave quite the same impact. No. Gotta be dark, no, they really don't. Dark, uh, luscious stash. Oh, I, I can't believe I just said that. Like, Lug- like Ron went, Swanson. Yeah. yeah. Tom exactly. Selleck.
0: Yeah. That, that's, what, that's what you need. Right. But, um, okay. yeah, okay. that may just be what, what he was given. This is why I just have a full beard, and it just makes it easier that way. I mean, plus I've got brown hair, so it doesn't matter for me anyways. But still, for me, beard is better than a mustache. But, like, it takes a certain kind of face to pull off a mustache, you know? like Like, not everyone can pull one off.
1: Right. I can't, but also... Uh, mine actually comes in blonde, which is weird because the rest of my hair is very not blonde. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm generally better just leaving it at this, like, 5 o'clock shadow type thing. The, yeah, that that's more within my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah. I went, I mean, I was clean shaven for the most part until... Like, you know, I used to do like no shave November, like every single year, you know, just kind of like let it all grow out and it would be patchy and bad, but I'd have the excuse like, oh, it's no shave November. You know, it's it's for a good reason, you know, whatever else, like, you know, it's fine. I had an excuse for it. You know, and then I finally did it. Like, I think it was like sophomore year of college and I got to the end of the month and I'm like, actually, this is <laughs> this is not half bad. Like, it's actually fully in now. So I just decided to keep it ever since.
1: Nice. I, yeah. I I've also tried to do that but it comes a little patchy I scratch at it a lot it's just it's not it, it's not pretty it's it's not good for anyone
0: did I ever show you um the picture like like this was like in the beginning of the shutdown uh from the pandemic and everything like I grew it out for like four months like four or five months without ever trimming it did I ever show you what that looked like oh. like a picture of that so oh man it was. I looked freaking homeless. Look at this. Oh my! Yeah.
1: The, that is a
0: beard. Everyone, listen, everyone listening at home can't see it, but it nope. is like it was long, man. That is. <laughs> I could I could feel it blowing in the breeze, like just kind of driving down the road. <laughs> man, I should grow it back
1: out. That is David prepared to hunker down in the Canadian right? like like yeah winter level.
0: Yeah, this is full-on, like, winter in the Canadian Rockies, like, level beard. Like, that's how long it was. I should grow it back out next winter. Do it. Like, I'm not doing it over summer here. That's too hot for that, but. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's, maybe do that for the winter. Do it.
1: And then by the time the winter's done, we'll do an actual YouTube version of this. And everyone can see (laughs) Crazy Mountain Man David.
0: Yeah, that'd be interesting. (laughs) Sure, the people would love to
1: see it. Mm Mm-hmm. We're waiting for it. Yeah. Cold Brew poll, do you want to see David's Mountain Man beard send? <laughs> yes or hell yes will be the two yeah. options. Tweet at us, uh, at coldbrew underscore pod, or,
0: you know, at dgasper24. Uh, tweet at me and be like, hey, I want to see that picture of, of you with the the Mountain Man, four-month-old Mountain Man beard. So... If you do that, I will I will reply with or you know, maybe I'll DM you with the picture. You know, it's it shouldn't be for everyone quite yet.
1: I'm definitely um, not going to create a bunch of fake accounts urging you to do that. <laughs> nope. Definitely not. Not this, guy. not this guy.
0: It's like, wait a minute, is this Matt again? <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah, we we've been uh joking all week in the in the group chat about, you know, Mario Feliciano has been Hitting well down in AAA about you, you know, trying to push Victor Caratini or Omar <laughs> Narvaez down a flight of stairs in order to get Mario up. And now you've given Omar the Rona, and it's not even Feliciano that comes up.
1: I Okay, first off, I would never <laughs> resort to biological warfare. That's, okay. <laughs> that's not how I would get this done. I've also been accused of... I don't
0: know, he's gotten that. the Rona, you wanted, a, you wanted another catcher up there. Not hmm. that,
1: but not that way, David, not that way. I've no, been, you'd only
0: push him down a flight of stairs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. I've been accused of pushing, se- wanting to push several people down flights of stairs over the past couple of weeks to get both Luke Barker and Mario Feliciano up to the big leagues. Yeah. Um. And uh, all I
0: can say is, well, you got Barker up there, but
1: yeah, exactly. He,
0: he yeah. didn't get into a game, so now you got to push Council down a flight of stairs.
1: Uh, we would never. <laughs> we need to see that uh, record tying win. From council, which hopefully comes on this homestand, the fans yeah, it. the better.
0: Ah, oh, man, yeah, that that's uh that's coming soon. How many ones away is he? Two. Two from tying. All right, as, as of recording here on Thursday, so hopefully by the time you are you're actually able to listen to this, it's only one away. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it is uh getting close to matching Phil Garner there, and I believe a season short, like one season less than what garner had uh, as manager yeah right about. so just kind of shows the level of success that craig council has and reminds you about uh the 90s brewers yeah. and how poorly uh they performed generally
1: yes. and how yet some people still on social media call for fire craig Counsell, and so those are the ridiculous people yep. on Social media, obviously, but... um, I've got a couple of buddies who who feel that way, and um, I I don't get it. I don't get it. No, of course not. The most successful manager the Brewers have ever had, constantly getting us to the playoffs, and...
0: Yeah. uh, Is Craig perfect? No. No manager is, but... Like, like, who are you going to get that's going to be better? Yeah. Like, 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 who's best out there? Like, Craig Council, like... I don't think anyone wants the Brewers to win more than him. Right. Like, like he's been a Brewers guy, like since he was a child, since he was born, you know, like it's, it's in his blood. Like, like this is the team he was supposed to manage. And, you know, there, there's no one else out there that that, that could be able to do this job better than him in Milwaukee. So does he have faults? Sure. But, you know, who who else are you going to go with? The, the, they all are going to have more faults than him, most yeah. likely.
1: 162-game so. season. You're going to mess
0: up a couple decisions. Yeah. Okay, anyways, back to—I mean, and one of those decisions was not getting Luke Barker into a game. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, back to the MLB debuts. Uh, we've got to talk Jason Alexander because he had the longest yeah. uh, debut so far. He comes in. You know, Brandon Woodruff goes on IL. It's like, oh, no, and Ethan Small's already back down. So it's like, well— now what are the Brewers going to do? And the Brewers had three guys come up on their taxi squad, which you don't hear about much lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but they essentially just kind of called them up from Nashville. It was Trezlecki, Barker, and Jason Alexander. And one by one, all three of those guys got added to the active roster. And Alexander had to wait the longest, but he was a starter. Um, had to wait for the opportunity, and he got in. And he went seven innings and allowed only two earned runs. You know, had a couple of walks, and only a few strikeouts, but 14 groundouts, mm-hmm. uh, and kept the brewers in the game, had a little bit of a struggle in the first inning. Um, I think just kind of getting the, the jitters out, getting the um, nerves and, and emotions out and trying to find himself there. Uh, but once he was able to get out of that inning, he was able to cruise the rest of the way and just kind of do his thing. And I was extremely impressed uh, with George Costanza. I mean, Jason Alexander okay. uh, who, I mean, I mean, he had a phenomenal debut, all things considering. This dude is not a top-ranked prospect. He wasn't on any prospects list at all. Wasn't on much of a radar. Signed a minor league deal. He's 29 years old, just making his big league debut. And he goes seven innings at Wrigley and gives up only two earned runs and just kind of cruised the, most of the way. And it was a phenomenal, phenomenal job from Jason Alexander.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was nice to see that he did exactly what he was known to do. Um, I had seen—I can't remember who posted it on Twitter, but inducing ground balls is exactly what he does. Um, he was uh, in the top, let's say, 88-plus percentile. I think it's better than that, but I'm just going to leave it at that for now, um, in ground ball rates. And like you said, that's exactly what he did. He had uh, 14 ground ball outs, two, two whole fly ball outs. Um, was all he ended up giving up there and then a, a small handful of strikeouts so comes in does his job he had just gone seven innings for the sounds in his last start which was only the second time a sound starter had gone that far all year so you know he was already showing a propensity to kind of be able to last long innings and get through innings quickly and the fact that he was able to put that first inning behind him where you had that, that was an inning with one of those errors that you mentioned where, um, I think it was a Caratini that was in the game and tried to gun down the runner at third and threw it, uh, him, or was it Narvaez?
0: I think, I think Narvaez was catching yesterday. It's
1: kind of settling in at that point, but, uh, um, yeah, ends up allowing around run to score another run scores after that on a sack fly, I want to say, um, You know, goes 20-plus pitches in that first inning and still manages to go seven. Um, You know, that speaks volumes about how he was able to kind of keep his head straight in a major league debut and just do what he does best, which is pitch to contact and induce ground balls. So, so cool to see him come up and do that. Like you said, after really just kind of being a, you know – undrafted small school journeyman he was in the angels organization for a couple years in the marlins organization last year that's really it um he had made triple a um for the last few seasons actually but never really sniffed the big leagues as far as i had i had ever heard so um ends up coming in and doing what he was asked to do and just so so cool and the Seinfeld jokes that <laughs> were everywhere last night made it so much more worth it too. Sorry if you're not a Seinfeld fan, but all, most of the rest of us had fun.
0: Yeah, plenty of gifts uh, used during that game, and it's just you have to almost. I mean, that like it, it's right there in front of you. Like it, you, the only thing that would have made it, you know, more important or, or more easy to use would be if his name actually was George Costanza. You know, like <laughs> like that like that's the only thing that would have changed it. But Yeah. Yeah. It's um you know, it was great to see that debut for him, see him, you know, make that and, and be at the big league level and uh you know really kind of earn his way up there and do a, a really incredible job. And you know it's crazy how some of these Brewers pitchers debuts Have gone. I mean, Aaron Ashby's debut was a horrific mess. The Brewers ended up winning Mm -hmm. somehow after he gave up seven runs in the first to the Cubs. Uh, That was at home. Um, But then, I mean, Ethan Small, we got to talk Small's debut now. Um, But like Small's debut, he went two and two thirds. He could not get out of the third inning. He kept walking guys. Uh, He threw like 39, 40 pitches in that third inning. Just really just could not get out of it. He was close a number of times. Um, and just couldn't get the put-away pitch, couldn't land it uh, and get that final out. Um, so Ethan Small, I feel like he could have gone longer if he had just gotten himself out of that third inning and just gotten a breather, gone back into the dugout. He could have gone a couple more innings, would have been fine. He only gave up two runs. You know, It's not like he was you know, uh, having a horrific start, but he did struggle with the walks, and that had been a concern in Nashville for most of the season. Um, although his last start with Nashville didn't walk anybody but you know you could just see it with some of his pitches you know I, I, don't, I don't know if it was his curveball or uh, you know whatever it was I think it was his curveball, but he kept on missing super high with it just kind of spun out of his hand, didn't really do much. Uh, just kind of slipped out there missing out missing missing high uh, and just not really even close with it, not close enough to make guys consider swinging um, and that just kind of made him more, waste pitches than anything. It just made it so much harder for him to to battle back in that count and got deep into a lot of counts and ended up walking a number of guys, and it just kind of uh, derailed on him there.
1: Yeah, um, but it's good to point out some positives, too. um, With Ethan Small, the fact that he doesn't have a necessarily overly high-velocity fastball. It usually sits in that 93-ish area, um, but ends up being deceptively fast to some hitters. The fact that it ended up still being that way to now major league hitters was a good sign, you know, that it is going to be able to be at least somewhat of a weapon to him and that he will be able to use it against those, you know, professional, professional type hitters. Um, and, and the, the change up his kind of bread and butter looked good, uh, for the little bit that I got to see it. Um, and he was able to cruise relatively well through those first couple of innings. Um, Like you said, it was really that third inning that got him. And credit to him for kind of at least somewhat limiting the damage to just those two runs. Um, That was a good sign. It wasn't the runs that ended up taking him out of the game, though. It was the pitch count. And any pitcher who, yeah, and the walks. But like any pitcher who throws that many pitches in a single inning is going to get pulled. Like, you just, you Mm -hmm. can't, once you start getting to 30-plus, you'll hear him on the broadcast talk about, you know, the manager might end up having to go pull him. Now, even if the other team hasn't, you know, broken through, per se, or gone on a tear and scored a five-run inning or anything like that, like, a pitcher just can't continue to throw and throw and throw and throw in the same inning without a breather. And that's ultimately what ended up being his undoing is, like you said, he couldn't get out of that inning. And at some point, the manager's just got to pull him because you can't can't just let him keep throwing pitches one after another. Like, it's just they're not – pitchers aren't built for that these days. So that's what ends up pulling him out. Had he gotten out, I agree. I think he would have gone at least another, you know, inning or two and, you know, hopefully been able to extend that and save the bullpen a little bit. But the Brewers still end up coming back and winning it. Like you said, like Ashby's debut um, where he gives up a ton of runs, the Brewers somehow come right back right after that and still winning. The Brewers end up winning Small's debut as well.
0: Yeah, it was a you know big time home run. I believe that was Caratini who hit that three run homer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and putting them up seven to four, and they ended up winning seven to six. Um, so it was it was certainly good to see you know from that end that they were able to at least get the win. Uh, for him and and immediately get him off the hook for the loss. I think he left when it was 2-1, and the bases were loaded, and I think Kelly, Trevor Kelly, came in and immediately got out of that jam. And the Brewers scored some, and I think Kelly gave up some more uh, maybe the next inning. But uh, the Trevor Kelly experiment, uh, Matt, it's not going super well. Uh, His last outing, zero outs, recorded four hits, four runs. He gave up the cycle in four batters. It was, I believe, single, homer, triple, double in that order.
1: Yeah, not pretty at all, which kind of sucks because it actually felt like after his first outing in which I believe it was an extra inning outing and he ended up allowing the runner on second to score um, and have, that might have been a Braves game, I almost want to say, or maybe it was that first Padres game. Either way, his debut, he ends up uh, giving up a run. His couple outings after that, he ends up giving – uh, none and he had the he had some things that looked a little bit impressive he has this you know fastball with a little bit of movement that he throws at the top of the zone that he was getting guys to swing at um that had him looking decent um he was good with his location in those couple of outings and i'm thinking okay maybe we have something here and then yeah now his last uh either two or three that he's given up running runs in just not pretty. Just you can't you, you can't leave pitches where he's leaving pitches because he's just getting absolutely hammered on them. Um, and surprising then that after that happens, that he's not the one to go down to the minors. That and they sent Barker down. Better. What is that? Yeah, I just I don't I don't understand. Barker was fresh. Strezlecki was fresh. You you assume those two both are going to stay with the club because you've kind of seen what you need to see with Kelly. I mean, granted Kelly has the previous major league experience. So maybe that's what council has, has be. and keeping him around for, right? It's the, it's the only thing that makes sense. Um, cause why, why would you not keep the two guys who are like completely fresh? Um, but that's not what ends up happening. I, I don't think he's long for this world. Um, <laughs> look for this so world. Well, that's, I mean, it's a little dark. I'm well. not going to die. I'm not saying he's going to die. <laughs> Whoa um but, are you
0: pushing him down a flight of stairs too <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean with that description it'd be more than a flight of stairs it sounds like but yeah. hey, um I, I, the Brews are gonna have kind of an interesting decision coming up when um particularly Adamus and Renfro come back um I, when you're looking at position players who might end up getting sent down I think brasso probably ends up being one of them um but Kesson Jura has heated up a little bit here in the last week since we spoke about him in the last podcast. Um, He's had some good games, some homers. You know, he's actually looked decent, specifically against right-handed pitching. He would have presumably been the low man on the totem pole who would have gone back down when some of these offensive players came back from the injured list. Now, with the Brewers having some off days, not needing to keep a six-man rotation, Ashby's not in that swingman role because uh, Peralto is still going to be on the injured list for a while. Do the Brewers potentially go 14 hitters, 12 pitchers? Don't know. If they do that and they end up uh, sending down an extra pitcher, for the love of God, let it be Trevor Kelly. We've seen what we need to see out of the guy. I, like I said, I liked him for a hot second. I thought he looked uh, decently impressive. But give some of these other younger guys a chance. You've got an entire season... Of needing to kind of see what you've got in that like middle relief-ish area of the bullpen, give some of these other guys a chance and see if you know there there's a, an opportunity for them to stick around long term this season. Um, start working with Free Luke guys Barker. Guys you've got time. Luke, bring Be- Luke Barker back up. Look at Free him. I mean, yeah. Start experimenting a little bit specifically with that point since a lot of these other parts of the roster are starting to get locked in now that we're into June. Um, You need to kind of keep exploring those options a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you get into, you know, July and, you know, trade deadline season, bullpen is generally going to be one of the places brewers are going to look and they need to see, you know, what they have in that bullpen. So, I mean, you got to see what you have in Barker and Strezelecki and some of these guys before you determine, hey, We just don't have enough with this group. We need to go out and trade for somebody else. You know, you got to give these guys a chance uh, before you can really kind of make that kind of a determination, at least in my opinion. But um, back to what you're saying on on Keston here. here. I mean, he's had um, a lot more success lately, specifically against righties, as you uh, mentioned. You know, just kind of looking at the numbers, the splits for him between righties and lefties are completely insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, strikeout numbers are somewhat similar, but like he's getting almost an even amount of at bats versus righties and lefties. And yet the uh, numbers are so starkly different uh, between them. that it, It's really kind of baffling that he still keeps on getting, you know, all that time specifically against lefties. You know, he, he plays fairly often when, when lefties are in there and it's just like, you look at the numbers and it it doesn't make too much sense. I mean, just looking all right, let's uh let's go to th- this year here, here. Yeah, so versus lefties, Keston Hira has thirty-three at bats, uh, thirty eight plate appearances, he has four hits, all of them singles, three walks, eighteen strikeouts, he's hitting one twenty one. All right, that, that's against lefties. That's bad. Okay, it's very bad. He's not slugging. The only hits that he's gotten are singles, and they're not coming very often. Against righties, he has 35 at-bats, so two more ABs, 42 plate appearances, four more plate appearances. He has 12 hits, six singles, one double, five homers, (laughs) 10 RBIs, six walks, 16 strikeouts, a 343 Batting average and his OPS, I believe, is something like twelve hundred mm-hmm. against righties versus whatever, maybe like 400 500 whatever against lefties like these splits are insane. I know these are small sample sizes. It's only 30, you know, at bats, about 40 plate appearances each. But, dude, I mean, you look at these numbers, it's like there is no reason at all to play this man against lefties and every reason to play him against righties.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. And as we start to get, you know, some of the main players back on the roster here, it sets up for a perfect platoon situation with McCutcheon because McCutcheon was brought in specifically to hit lefties. Would you want to use him more? Yeah. But at least for the time being, maybe you can flip flop him a little bit or give him a 50 50 timeshare, you know, something along those lines. Uh, Continue to let Teles play every day because uh, you run into a situation like tonight where he's leading the team in average or the lineup yeah. in average, I should say. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it makes sense. And that's where where I think it, it could be a real possibility that the Brewers go hitter heavy uh, once they start getting Adamus and Renfro back. You at least have to think about it because he's just crushing right handers tonight. He's in against the lefty. It's partially out of necessity. We're Like I said, we're down these two players. Here's playing a little bit more as it is. Uh, but in his first appearance against Sean Manea, struck out swinging, as he has been wont to do against the lefties these days. So yeah. tonight— And he's playing, he's playing left because, field. What's yeah, the Like I, I know they
0: mentioned like that could be a possibility, and he could play a little bit out there. But man, his throwing arm is not good now keep in mind Christian Yelch's throwing arm is also not good right uh, you know the Cubs won on a sacrifice fly to left field that was pretty much within range that you know you you could be able to make a, a solid play at the plate. Yelch wasn't able to get he didn't get behind the ball you know he didn't really get a lot on the throw high arcing, not big velocity, ended up super late, not even close. and the only guy on the team with a potentially worse arm, it's Keston here. <laughs> yeah. And now he's playing out there in left field. So good and thing Adrian Hauser, the ground ball specialist, is on the mound.
1: Yeah, and they're both in the lineup. Like, there's no reason to not yeah, have y- Ellich in left. He's in the lineup. He's just DHing. Maybe he Probably just give because, him
0: a just to give him a physical
1: break. It's it must be it must be because there's literally no other reason why you would do that. Um, yeah, super bizarre. Um, but there he is out there. Um, aside from him not having a great throwing arm, God only knows where it's going to end up when he is throwing it. And that was always the problem from second base. So, I mean, he could end up throwing it to third accidentally when he's trying to throw home. Who knows? Uh, it's, yeah, weird. But they're finding a way to get him in the lineup again, you know, against the lefty. It's probably semi out of necessity tonight um, instead of trying to keep that bat hot because the results probably aren't going to be great tonight. But there's going to be some interesting roster decisions. That's what this is really coming to, because Renfro is getting close to the point of coming back. He thinks he could be back any second. Council wasn't quite ready to do that. Um, Adamus is playing in Nashville tonight. Um, And as we speak, I'm going to start to pull up and see how he's doing. Uh, But he's down there. He had a little bit of a setback with a a tight quad, it sounds like. Um, Ankle injury Mm -hmm. is why he was originally out on the aisle, but he had a little bit of a quad issue. Um, but he is back in the lineup now for Nashville. I'm um, just pulling up some stats here to see how we look in. Adamus is one for three tonight, it looks like. There we go. So, good job. And that one is, in fact, a single. There we go. So, woohoo! Um But he has already left the game. Um, he was replaced in the lineup by David Dahl. Um, but that resulted in Pablo Reyes shifting from right field to shortstop to cover for him. So, That's Pablo good. Reyes, who's on quite a tear himself right now. Yeah. Um, too bad there's yeah. not a spot for him in the big league level. Yeah, but yeah just... exactly. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's fast. I mean, it, he'd be nice to uh, have a, uh, around as like a bench guy, but unfortunately, there's you know there's guys at the major league level on the bench who just seem to stick around no matter how much David doesn't want them to stick around.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Embrace the Jace. That's
0: the uh, one you one know you you just know. This is like that stretch of the season. Jace had this last year, and he had it in 2020. He goes on like a two-week stretch where he's Babe Ruth, right? And he just dominates everything. And then that builds up enough goodwill for him through the whole rest of the season. It earns him, you know, the on-base Jace thing. Um, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, Jace is great. And as, what do you know? He just draws a walk as as I'm talking here. Because oh. that's that's what he does, um, but it earns him enough goodwill throughout you know to last him the rest of the season, no matter how much he slumps. Because he did this last year, he had a really great like two week, one month stretch. The rest of the year he stunk, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's on base, Jace, and he's super great and all this stuff." And I'm just like, "He's hitting a buck fifty for the last month. <laughs> like he's not on base, Jace, at the moment." But here he is. He's gonna have this stretch here, and it's gonna keep him his job as he steals second base and collides with Cronenworth. But uh, yeah, it's just gonna keep him around for a little while longer and earn him that goodwill and have everyone love him again. And then when Adamus comes back or Rhea shifts back to third base, and Jace won't play quite as much, so
1: nope. But he will stick on that roster because he is. He'll the guy stick on the roster. Have minor league options, so um they'll keep what, what's funny is it, it, it he for the month of may is for the most part where he heated up he his on base percentage for on base chase was 338 in the month of may like that's not crazy i mean that's yeah decent uh, that's something you'll accept for most people but with a person with on, Jason, on base as your nickname, you maybe want a little higher than that. He slugged 567, though. That was the part. That's what's crazy. Oh, this includes the first day of June as well, I should mention. Um, oh. But, yeah, he's been he's been helping the Brewers win. So, But I agree. Like, that's exactly what he did. The month of September, he was just horrid um, last season. So, who knows? Maybe. I kept, if, I kept on saying it. Kept on telling you all. But, you know, what happened? For the time being, it just feel you feel freer if you just embrace the Jace. It's just a it's just a happier lifestyle. That's why yeah. I'm writing that hashtag too. I just I just I don't get I, I don't get um, annoyed anymore because I just embrace the Jace. You know who we need to embrace.
0: We need to embrace the Tyrone. Yeah we need to embrace Tyrone Taylor, uh, especially in Hunter Renfro's absence, getting a chance to play every single day. Uh, has been absolutely phenomenal. And once uh, Renfro comes back, Tyrone has to play every day in center field, man. I mean, Mm -hmm. like like you're looking today, like Lorenzo Cain is not playing. You could very easily have Cain in center and put Tyrone Taylor in left um, and have a much better defensive outfield. Instead, you've got Keston Hira in left and Tyrone Taylor in center. I mean, Tyrone Taylor is a good defender, but I'd rather have him in left with Lorenzo Cain in center. That's a great defensive outfield. But Kane has been struggling offensively. You know, he had, a, he had a good day or two there. But overall, Tyrone has just been phenomenal. And really, I, I think he's overtaking that starting center field job from Lorenzo.
1: Yeah, just big hit after big hit after big hit for the Brewers. He's coming up exactly when they need him to. And uh, earlier today, um was on the radio with uh, the guys Leo and Balky up in Green Bay on the score and they had brought up um, what do you do if you're the manager what do you do with Lorenzo Cain right now um, and I said the same thing I, I think you have to give a lion's share of the playing time especially once the uh, lineup is back to normal again with Hunter Renfro out you can play them both you know a little bit more than you normally would but once Renfro comes back I would give a solid if you're splitting the time between Kane and Taylor I'd give a solid 75% of that playing time at least at least to Tyrone Taylor I and mean, I think it's time I think you you negatively impact your lineup by taking him out of it and it, like it's it's as simple as that and he's not so much of a defensive liability or anything like that to where you lose that much on the defensive side by having Lorenzo Cain out, Cain mm-hmm. can end up being a defensive replacement. He could still be a pinch runner at times. He's I know he's up there in age, but he's still faster than most of the youngins on that team. Um, he still has use on this team, but you've got to face reality, and the reality is that Tyrone Taylor is playing better for most of this year. And we are now in June, and you know a, a lot of people say that. June is when you start making those types of decisions. Um, and normally you've had two full months of game action to watch this year with the late start. It's been more like a month and a half, but still, it, it's June is here. You've got a good idea of you know how people are going to be this season, and Kane still hasn't turned it up. So at this point, it's it's got to cost him playing time. If I'm the manager, that's the decision I'm making, and it sounds like you are too.
0: Yeah, I certainly am. And I was asked, you know, the same kind of thing when I was on the Rami show uh, earlier today on 1250 The Fan. We both had radio hits radio uh, to go and do. Yeah, and they're, they're asking us, you know, same kind of thing when it comes to Tyrone and, and Lorenzo Cain. And, yeah, I, I was I was of the same mind there. And, you know, Tyrone's got to play. And I was telling Rami, it's just like, Tyrone's got to be, you know, your everyday starting center fielder. And yeah, I'd go a little higher on your 75-25 thing. I was thinking 80-20. Mm-hmm. uh tyrone over, over lorenzo but essentially you know same thing I, i'm just i'm pushing the numbers i'm, I'm pumping them up Yeah. because that, that, that's what i do uh but yeah it's it, it's got to be uh tyrone time uh, in center field lorenzo Kane, i love lorenzo Kane. I, I think he's a great guy i think he's a great veteran leader um great defender out there in center field um he's at the end He's at the end of his career. He's at the end of his contract this is His final year of his contract. And the bat is, is dying and it's, it's tough to see. It's tough to watch, but uh, it's, it's coming to the end uh, for him. And sure. He may still be able to play a mean center field defensively. Um, but with what he's providing on offense, it's, it's the end. Um, and y- you have the heir of parents right there in Tyrone Taylor, who's ready Who's, you know, taking the job and running with it and you got you got to give him the shot now have, you know, Kane is still valuable to this team. You know, he's valuable with his leadership, um, his veteran experience, um, you know, like the things like that that he provides in the clubhouse and in the dugout uh, and he can provide value as a defensive replacement late in games. Um, So he still has value to this team. The Brewers are not going to be DFAing him or anything like that, that I've seen a bunch of people tell him to do on Twitter. Uh, That's not happening. He's going to stick around. He has value. It may not be at the plate, but he does have value.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, But I I mean, I'm pulling up. I hadn't actually looked at them um, for a while, maybe not at all this season. I pulled up his percentile rankings on baseball savant and, Outside of the defensive ones at the bottom that look very good, um, you'll kind of see here. I don't know if it's that, that's going to show for you or not because I got the blurry up. It's not you in see focus a lot now. You see, I, I
0: see a couple of red ones down at the bottom.
1: Yeah, and that's all his defensive. His outs above average, his outfielder jump, his sprint speed, solid. Um, but his barrel rate, the one percentile. X-slugging. First percentile. I, I
0: don't think he has a barrel on the it, entire season.
1: He doesn't. Uh, he hadn't last I had checked. Uh, nope, still at zero. So, um, apparently, that is still considered the first percentile. Hard hit rate, 31%. Average exit velo- velocity, 37th percentile. Walk rate, 25th percentile. So, I mean, it's not like he's even being able to work some walks there. It's just not. It's all... All in the blue except for max exit velocity. He must have had one that he just really crushed at some point that still somehow wasn't a barrel. Go figure. Um, but, no. I mean, there's just the offensive numbers across the board. It's not like there's anything hiding there that's like, oh, you know what? You, you know, if he only gets past this, he's having bad luck, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's just the offense has just been bad. Like, it just has – And for a team like the Brewers, who can be streaky at times, uh, you can't afford to keep putting out bad offense. You just can't.
0: So in one kind of final little uh, turn here, as we're talking about um, offense and barrels, Brewers outfield prospect Jackson Churio is hitting a lot of barrels, and he just hit another. He just hit a home run to dead center for the Carolina Mudcats. And... um, this kid's a stud baseball America just released their uh, updated top 100 list and Jackson Cheerio is up to 43 overall he is the top overall Brewers prospect and that's it's not just Baseball America saying it it's people inside and outside of the Brewers organization uh, in the scouting world and everything else so uh, if you have another Brewers another Brewers prospect to add to your hype list behind Joey Weimer and Garrett Mitchell and Hedbert Perez and all those guys, it's Jackson Churio. And uh, this hype is starting to get really big. Like, yeah. he, he, like this is reaching, like, Corbin Burns' Cy Young-level hype. And, like, that. at that time, it was just me. Like, now it's a whole yeah. bunch of other people.
1: Yeah, it's just absolutely – you don't see – because he was well, – he was, like – number 100 wasn't he for baseball america hadn't he just snuck he, up he was at like 96.
0: So like 96 like you know a couple okay. guys graduated so they so like you know when so what these prospects let's do is like when these guys graduate and you like you just kind of shift everyone up and the new guy comes in they just put him in at 100 um and then they just kind of like you know go from there through graduations until the full re-rank and that's what they did here he was just kind of down there and then they just shifted him straight up on on that uh reset
1: yeah way down that had just gotten on the top 100 but was still way towards the bottom to jump about 50 spots is at low a like that's not stuff that happens on prospect lists very 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 rarely does that happen on prospects lists so that is a very very impressive jump and obviously goes to show you what the scouts are starting to see from this guy just just insane if you're in Carolina and have a chance to watch him with the Mudcats, watch him now because he is probably not going to be there for long, which is insane to say because he already hasn't been there long. He just got here. Yeah,
0: uh, he, and- he started an extended spring training. He was going yeah. to be in the Arizona Complex League. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, promotions happen. You know, he ends up getting moved up and all of a sudden, pfft, look at this. Yep.
1: Yeah. So if you got a chance to see him in Carolina, see him now because your time is running out. It'll be, yeah. luckily for fans in Wisconsin, uh, he might be here soon. So we might get a chance to see him with the Timber Rattlers before. Yeah,
0: when he gets promoted and when Hedbert gets promoted, whenever that is, I am going road to trip. a Timber Rattlers road game. Road trip, road trip, road, road, trip. Trip. road trip. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. That is going to uh, wrap up this episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Went a little bit long here, but we had to give an update there on Jackson Churio because that just happened as I was uh, looking through my phone here. And yeah, at least this time I did not spill or, or drop my coaster onto my pasta um, when when my phone notifications happened. So yeah. Yeah, mine's not <coughs> sticky. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, like, like, I know a trick is like you put like a uh, table salt like on the coaster right. or whatever, so like it doesn't doesn't stick. But I didn't have any table salt. No, oh, that's so. also
1: fine to do with the bar when you don't have to clean up your own.
0: Like oh yeah, like, like yeah, like that. Like, that's definitely a, a bar trick and something I've done there, but.
1: Salty mess. I don't, I don't.
0: I don't have salt in my apartment, dude. Like, how fancy do you think I am? Salt
1: shakers. <laughs> <laughs> no, we go right outside of the right, straight out the giant salt canister. I don't even have one of those, man. What do you, what do you salt things with? I don't salt anything. What? Oh my gosh, you're you're like proving to be. I a know. I'm I'm a, I'm a caveman. It's like with the
0: beard. I'm a caveman.
1: Okay, go out, when we're done recording, please go buy some salt, or or someone send in some salt. Because you need to season your food, man, or at least salt your food or
0: something. I have, like, I have, like, okay, first of all, I don't make that much here, like, outside of, like, noodles and, like, sandwiches, which I don't need salt for, but, like, when I make, like, uh, chicken or something, like, when I I do that, I have, like, a seasoning thing. It's not salt, but it's, like, a rotisserie seasoning thing, so, like, I have something. Well, there better be salt in it, otherwise you still need to salt things. All right. I mean,
1: <laughs> we've gone into different. Directions.
0: I, like whatever happens, like naturally, That's yes, but I don't like salt it separately. Crazy. All right. Okay, so this this podcast is ending on a train wreck, uh, but it happens uh, from time to time. So we're gonna sign off here. Be uh, sure to uh, follow us again on Twitter at dgasper. 24 at mke13 and at cold brew underscore pod. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.